The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Charles, for all those weekends that we uh, complained about the football, man, uh, this was one of, if not the best weekend of football we've ever seen, right? This is this is it. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching the game on Sunday, uh, and I went to the kitchen after it was done, and my dad, who's almost 60, said that it was the best football game he had ever seen. So, uh, obviously, the, the, the Bills-Chiefs game, but... Yeah, I thought I thought the cool thing about the weekend was uh it seemed like every game just got better and better and better <laughs> and you finally got the culmination of I mean I I I find it like even hard to put in the words to, like describe. Like I was writing a column on Sunday after the Bills Chiefs game and I was like, I don't even think that I have the vocabulary requisite to describe what I just watched. And I consider myself to be a pretty good writer. So uh that was an unbelievable game and I really don't know how you even begin to top something like that moving forward to me like that game felt like the AFC championship game uh more than the actual upcoming AFC championship game so awesome week of football yeah yeah we're gonna get into all four games we'll get into some of the debates raging uh I mean Chuck has already said you know this is Definitely one of the greatest games of all time. We'll talk a little bit about the overtime rules. You know, people were upset that Josh Allen didn't have a chance, one final chance to match uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of debate there going on. We'll talk a little bit about Tom Brady. Is he done? Aaron Rodgers, what's his future? Uh, and look at the, it's hard to even remember that the Titans and Bengals played a really, really good football game uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, we're going to go back through it all. We're going to hit on some coaching news, late breaking. Uh, just as we started this podcast, uh, it broke that Sean Payton is stepping away from the Saints. This has been rumored appears that he may end up doing some TV. So there is another opening in the NFL, a a really interesting year for the coaching carousel. Uh, There's been, uh, as we talked about, I can't remember if it was last show or what there's, it's been a much slower process this year. I don't know if that's actual more thoughtfulness going into the hires or if teams are just going slow, if there's just things holding it up, but we're going to talk about all of that. uh, But uh, we have to start with Chiefs Bills, uh, w- one of the greatest football games of all time. Uh, this game ends Sunday night, forty-two thirty-six in overtime. Patrick Mahomes, of course, has what did he have? Thirty-five seconds to get down the field to kick a field goal. Uh, it, this is after thirteen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was thirteen. Yeah, I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. Uh, the uh, just astounding. Uh, display of football. How angry were you with the defensive call from the Bills? I mean, how, how much of this is on the? Because this is sort of the the crux of the discussion around this game, right? Is should one of these defenses stepped up, or are we just we were just watching insane quarterback play that couldn't really be stopped? Uh, what did you think about that? The, the play call on, on the final throw that set up the field goal. <laughs> um. I mean, to me, it was more about just how good Patrick Mahomes is and, and beyond that, like literally how to me, to me, that final drive is like the culmination of like when you get the talent, the reps and just like comfortability between two guys, because, you know, after the game, 
they're basically saying like the big Travis Kelsey catch on the final drive, I think to set up the, uh, the last drive, like Mahomes and Kelsey right before the ball snapped, they basically just scrapped the route that was supposed to be called and just had Kelsey run to an open space on the field. Mm. Wow. Uh, and you can even hear like on the broadcast, like the mic is, it's picking up what Mahomes is saying. And then right before the snap, Mahomes looks over at Kelsey. He just goes, do it, do it, do it, do it. Uh, and they, so whatever route Kelsey supposed to run, they scrapped that. And I think what's interesting about that, like obviously in this situation, uh, the Bills, like you want to keep, you want to keep the offense inbounds uh, so that they have to burn a timeout or burn some clocks. So basically on the fly, Kelsey and Mahomes, they just decided, all right, well, if you guys are going to go and protect the boundaries, the deep part, uh, of the fields, so basically we can't get deep or um, hit the sideline for something quick to save some time. Then we're just gonna run straight up the seam, uh, back, like bend that bend the route like a little bit inside, so you can get away from like whatever slot defender was right there. And then you know you kind of have like a backyard route getting drawn up right before the play uh, starts, ending up deciding who's going to or or at least deciding that this game is going to go to overtime. So to me, like. Yeah, you can get get on get on the defense you want, but when I have like literally two guys who are going to end up first ballot Hall of Famers <laughs> deciding that they're going to take the game over in the final stretch of the game, and they still have you know multiple timeouts to lean on, it's just I uh, I don't really want to get caught up in the blame game with the defense because to me that's just like unstoppable. But I think where the Bills probably slipped up is uh, on the the kick like after you're about to kick the ball away and you're up 36 to 33 with 33 seconds left, maybe you kick it short of uh, the end zone. So they have to at least touch it and burn, you know, a couple seconds before sliding to the ground. But, you know, even if you like, let's say that happens and then you kick it short and Mikkel Hardman returns the ball a hundred yards for a touchdown, then we'd be blasting them for that too. So to me, I I don't, I don't, I, I, when I watch a game like that, of that magnitude, I focus less on like, oh, you know, here's what could have gone right. Here's what could have gone wrong for the Bills and just kind of be like, wow, that was one of the best football games I've ever seen by two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, I hope we get a lot more of that moving forward because that was I like. I stayed up until like 4 a.m. after that game because I could not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the timing of it, let's let's just go through it. So the the. Chiefs get the ball back with 13 seconds left after the kick. Uh, Mahomes throws to uh, he throws a 19 yard pass that eats up five seconds o'clock, right? Uh, and so Kansas City calls a timeout. Uh, that that ball goes to Tyreek Hill. Uh, then Kansas City calls a timeout, and then Buffalo calls another timeout. I think uh, so. They are clearly trying to figure out what to do. Uh, Mahomes then, as you said, like they just sort of drew up a play where Kelsey was going to cut up the middle of the field, catch the ball. Uh, he, he goes for 25 yards to, to get into field goal position. That eats five seconds off the clock. So they're calling timeout with three seconds left for Harrison Buckner to kick a 49-yard field goal. Uh, just utterly insane. As you said, two quarterbacks that, like, I, you know, I don't know how you – could nitpick anything that happened with these guys. Uh, the QBR for Mahomes, 96%. The QBR for Josh Allen, 90.3. So uh, these are, you know, for all intents and purposes, nearly perfect quarterbacking 
performances. Uh, the Chiefs go ahead and, and win it on the first drive of overtime. How do you feel about the overtime rules? Um, I, I guess I, I think it's fair um, in the sense that um, these are the rules, but I can't say, like, I, I think the NFL, like, you're in a good spot when your overtime rule, like, the tweak for it to, to be would be, like, people just be like, oh, we want more of that football game. Uh, like, right, I don't right. think that that's a bad spot to be in. Uh, and I think they should change it. You know, I, I think that probably the best suggestion I've seen is, you know, just kind of run it like football or not football, run it kind of like basketball does where instead of a sudden death or whatever, you know, bastardized form of sudden death rules that this version has, uh, just play out a shortened quarter. And then after that, since football, you know, it's a little bit um, since Brutal. football is a little bit more physical than yeah. basketball, uh, maybe you can just go to sudden death. But I think it's fair you know, maybe just like an eight minute, 10 minute max quarter. Right. Right. Uh, play after the game, because especially in a game like that, you don't you just want to see what Josh Allen can do, because basically every time, like for the final two minutes, minutes of that game, like the stakes kept escalating. And I just wanted to see I just wanted right. to see if they could keep bouncing back. Uh, right. And, you know, I, I think, you know, there's I was hosting Twitter spaces on Sunday night and someone was saying that, you know, just because the fans want to see more football doesn't mean the NFL should it to them. And honestly, I, I don't agree with that. Like, <laughs> That's actually exactly what the NFL – the NFL's product is football. Like, they should right, definitely, right. And like, uh, definitely sell more football. I'm not someone who likes most fans or agrees with most fans, but <laughs> that, that I think is a totally reasonable request just to say, oh, you know, that game was awesome. I want to see more of that. Now, obviously, you know, right. for every Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Cyborg quarterback duel, you're going to get – 99 Ben, ben Roethlisberger. Right, right. But it's worth it for just that one time. Well, yeah. And here's the stage. Right. And here's the thing. Like, they, they, they need to do it for the playoffs, right? Like, in the NHL, overtime uh, in the regular season goes to a three-on-three, which is basically, like, fake hockey. It'd be like if football did seven-on-seven seven all of a sudden, like, just guys running around. Uh, it's, you know, there's no defense being played whatsoever. Um, and it's just fun. And then there's a shootout, which people either like or dislike, but it's like, it's the regular season. Who cares? But then in the playoffs, like they just play another period of hockey. They're just like, no, we're not doing any games. It's, it's another period of hockey and whoever scores, uh, first wins. But like, that's just, you know, in the NFL, I think you get rid of the sudden death part and you just play another 10 minutes in the playoffs, you know, in the regular season, who even cares if teams tie in the regular season? Like, I don't, you know, like if it, if it ends up a tie, it ends up a tie, but playoffs, give them 10 more minutes to play offense, defense, just the whole thing. And I mean, I think it would have been uh, a, a brilliant ending. Not that this wasn't, but it just, like you said, it just would have been more of it. Uh, I have a question about Josh Allen. Like it is, uh, I mean, this guy has probably improved as much as anyone in the league over, over a period of years, right? Like Mahomes came in raw and then had his year of not playing and then was like, okay, here I am. Right. Like yep. Lamar, Lamar Jackson had that to some degree, you know, basically his first year as a full-time star, like these guys made huge improvements, but Josh Allen was thrown into it pretty quickly. And then fluttered a little bit like i mean it was not it was not a smooth transition where he immediately was as dominant consistently there were certainly times that he showed it but now i you know he's 
he's up there. I mean, is this who he is now? Has he figured it out to to a place where he's going to be able to be this player consistently? Yeah, I I, I think he has. Um, I mean, if you're a Bills fan, you feel great about having him at a forty three million dollar per year contract <laughs> after that right. game. Uh, and you know, I, I think Josh Allen had an interesting season where. I don't think it was like, especially early on, like I don't think it was the most consistent season from him. You start to see some bad habits, but dude, that last, let's call it six weeks of football, like when they really needed him to like put the team on his back and figure things out, like really the only subpar game I thought he had was against the Falcons in the snow, uh, like literally during a, like a borderline blizzard uh, in that game. So I, I, I think it's incredible because, you know, it, the thing, the thing with Josh Allen is anyone that like looks back and says this was not a good quarterback prospect, I like, I don't think that you can disagree with them. I mean, he really did nothing at Wyoming uh, besides throw the ball really hard and really far. But like his mechanics were a mess, accuracy was a mess. He was just playing like a spaz. And basically, the Bills have the Bills, and you know, I, I, you got to give credit to Josh Allen too because he's the one that's actually going through the work uh, to get better. But you know they've set up an environment where basically, especially in that game on Sunday, like every bad habit that he had in college has just been like totally eradicated. Like our, our buddy, Nate Tice, he did a thread uh, earlier this morning. Uh, I guess this is Tuesday morning. So early Tuesday morning, basically just going over like literal mechanic changes that Josh Allen has made mm. from Wyoming to Buffalo. Uh, just like from going through the film and Nate played quarterback, uh, at Wisconsin and his dad, you know, Mike Tice, Randy Moss Vikings. So, uh, you know, he, he kind of was always talking there a little bit about with the quarterback mechanics. He's basically gone through like the footwork angles, all the other stuff that has made Josh Allen uh, a more accurate passer. And it, it's, it's, it's honestly kind of cool to see because it's like when you're playing, I don't know, like Madden or, you know, the old NCAA games and you find some recruit or a draft prospect who can't play football worth a damn, but they have like all the throw power and right, speed right. and stuff. And they've figured it out how to get them to the top. And, you know, I, I think that this game kind of showed the, the power of just being like a supremely physically gifted passer on both sides of the ball. Cause right. I, you know, even some of the, like these RPO slants that Mahomes and Allen are throwing, like they're coming out the, the pocket, like literally a hundred miles per hour. Uh, and it's just so cool to see, like, basically, this is what the peak of quarterback play is supposed to look like. And, hey, like, I I don't really see why Josh Allen wouldn't be able to keep doing stuff like this in the future. Obviously, you know, you're not going to play every game like that. But, you know, right. he's a he's a, like a bona fide certified franchise quarterback. Right. And I mean, honestly, this is a new peak for quarterback play, right? Like, this is this yeah. is so different than. There was there's so much talk of oh it's it's Manning Brady all over again right but like like no I mean obviously Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are two of the greatest football players of all time Tom Brady is the greatest champion probably in sports history you know like if you if you take away eras and I mean I know there are guys who won more titles but to win as many Super Bowls in the NFL in the modern NFL as he has like it's just insane right like there's yeah. no taking any of that away but. If you were to watch tape of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady dueling each other uh, back in the day, it would look like 
dink dunk like it, it just doesn't look anything like the way that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen played quarterback uh, the way that they are able to move the way they extend plays uh, like you said the way they they fire into tight windows uh, like obviously Brady and Manning were able to do that at times but there were throws where Josh Allen was you know f- the guy was covered and he was just getting the ball into a window a foot by a foot that that's where it needed to go <laughs> and arriving on time. Um, and it's just a totally different, it's just a totally different level. Uh, like in, and we are, we're, we're in for years of it. You know, like if Lamar Jackson, depending on how good he gets uh, this, and this is the lesson too. Like, like you said, the, the lesson is, and I think Steven Ruiz, our, our former co-host wrote this for the ringer that, if you can get the big talented guy, you have to have faith in your organization that you're going to be able to fix the problems, right? He, he, and many others, Seth Galina were down on Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon because he just had done nothing, right? Like there were the, it had not worked there. He looked great. And, and we had seen a lot of prospects come along who looked great and threw the ball hard and looked the part, but it would it had been hard to fix them that the whoever whatever was happening in the NFL they weren't making these advances and now there are teams that are doing it and and the upside is like go pick the guy who has the unreal arm or who can utilize that arm while on the move because uh, that's the big thing with Josh Allen right it was always, it was always like well if he's in a perfect position to throw he can probably throw okay and he can run but. He can't do he's, – he's not finding the mix to do both consistently. He gets himself in trouble when he tries to do a little bit of both. Uh, and he fi- – I mean, it's it's fixed. Like, he figured that part of it out. So uh, that's sort of a lingering lesson from, from watching him develop, I think. Um, what else do we got here? Anything else on this game? No, I'm just still high off the Sean Payton news. This yeah. Is- just such a good day for me. It's, uh, how long <laughs> has this guy haunted you, man? Uh, since 2006. Oh, man. Uh, just, uh, I feel, I feel good for Falcons fans. This is, this is nice for you. Yeah, this uh, is a good, this is a good update. Uh, yeah. I mean, dude, I remember back the Drew Brees, Jimmy Graham days. Like, if you want to see something funny, just literally go to Pro Football Reference and buy. You, you can look up someone's uh, their box scores against the team they've played in their career. So just go to Jimmy Graham's page and type down <laughs> and look for his box scores against the Falcons and who he used to go crazy against Atlanta to the point where uh, back when Atlanta was on their Super Bowl run and Jimmy was on the Seahawks before the game. Uh, the fourth division round game, Jimmy is like hopping up his teammates by saying, I own Atlanta. I own this thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a real deal rivalry. So I am, uh, I'm, I'm very happy today. Uh, this, the, the next game we're going to talk about, uh, will also make you happy because Tom Brady has been vanquished. Tom, there's no more Tom Brady. This, uh, this playoffs man. Like I, I didn't think it was possible. And like, he almost did it too. He almost led the epic comeback. Um, this game ends 30 to 27. The Rams, uh, go ahead to, to kick the, the game winning field goal at the end. Matthew Stafford stands in to deliver a ball. Like this is like, I'm not sure that you could design a play when that trade was made. Like 
that's the play that somebody would have gone up to a board and written like, this is why we need, this is the throw we need Matthew Stafford to make. Like, this is why we're doing this. Um, it's, uh, and Brady was like, not good. I don't, I mean, he was under pressure, which we know is like a way to get Tom Brady a little rattled. That's, that's the one thing that consistently through his career, he is not, battled through all the way ends up with a 14 QBR sacked three times. Um, you know, still throws for 329 yards, but he's, it was not the Tom Brady of, of, of usual. There's some talk that this may be it for him. What's your, what's your guess? Is this just him sort of? Nah, I don't, I, I think if, if it was totally up to him, I don't even think he'd be entertained this really, but, uh, it's tough. I mean, he's he cited like his family as a reason as why he's considering stepping away from the game the other day. But uh, I won't believe it until he's actually out. Um, right. So I'll see. You know, I, I expect. I mean, I expect to see him back under center for the Bucks this year. But uh, based on how he's talking, I I think it's just going to be one more shot. Let's see if we can get ring number. Let me check my notes. Ring number eight, uh, <laughs> and then uh, you know, right off into the sunset as a winner. But I think like if you're going to go out. You go out if you're going to go out in a loss like this is kind of as good as a way you can do it, you know, right. against one of the hotter upstart teams in the NFL, uh, and you still get to keep the mystique that you have at the end because once again everything's going right for Tom Brady right when he needs it to at the end of the game until you know Cooper Cup dagger uh, right at the end of the game. Right, uh, as you predicted, Von Miller and uh, Aaron Donald were just beasts in this game. I mean, that really is what it came down to uh, just those guys pushing the line and creating havoc. Um, I mean, that's another, like the Rams went for it on so many different fronts. Uh, Didn't have to really give up a whole lot for Von Miller, but like they've had, they've, you know, we know that they've mortgaged the future, like as far as draft picks go and they are, they have the dudes to make these plays when, when they need them to be made. Yep. Um, I don't know. It, I I thought the Bucks make it a little bit farther than they did, but I think the Rams are catching their stride right at the right moment. And obviously, after two playoffs game, like I don't think that there's a more savvy move than getting Von Miller, uh, sticking him right next to Aaron Donald because those guys have been blacking out over the past few months. Uh, you know, since the Rams have been going on that playoff run, so you know I'm. I'm excited. I hope we get a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl just based on like the upside of both of those teams. But you know, I guess we can get into talking about the other teams that won this weekend too. Yeah, uh, Tristan Wirfs being out was a huge blow. Uh, you know, we we weren't sure if he was going to play. It turns out he has a pretty serious ankle injury. Um, and so yeah, it was it was a lot more severe than I think yeah. they were letting on from the first game because you know I look back at the report after this game on Sunday and they're saying that he needs surgery to repair like tendons. And it's like such a bad sprain that he needs like a surgery high ankle. Like, yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. So like, damn, like he went back out there last week <laughs> in the, in the Eagles game, he went back on the field. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's just keep, let's just keep going on here. Um, let's go back to Saturday night. Another, uh, What'd you think of the What'd you think of the Aaron Rodgers story? First of all, the the uh, ESPN published a story about Aaron Rodgers where they sort of let Rodgers sound off on why he oh. has 
<laughs> why he's I mean, taking control of his own narrative. Um, I didn't read it. I I couldn't even bring myself to click on it. I I I had Aaron Rodgers fatigue, like literally the only thing because he's saying the same dumb shit every single time, which is uh oh, you know, I'm smarter than every doctor that's ever went to medical school and Joe Rogan is also smarter than the two and just because like he he's like one of those people where like you you know those people where they think someone else is automatically smart just because they think differently. Uh, right, right. When hey, sometimes like conventional wisdom is good to follow. Okay, <laughs> uh, there's a reason why sometimes conventional wisdom is called conventional because right. it's it's it just makes sense. Uh, so no, I, I didn't read the article because um, I could just take a guess from reading about his uh, you know, his escapades with Pat McAfee that uh. He was probably going to say the same stuff. I was honestly just waiting for to see if the 49ers could uh, come through and get the dub. In fact, I I, I put a bet on 49ers money line uh, just to spite Aaron Rodgers in a game. Your guy, Robbie Gould, man, is he he came yeah. through for you? Dude, once they uh, once they uh, once they crossed midfield, or no, I guess once Debo got that first down, yep. I was like, it's over. And I texted Justin like, oh yeah, you're about to lose, bro. He's like, I know. And then basically at the same time, we said Robbie Gould ain't missing this kick because, hey, Robbie, he played in Chicago for a very, very long time. So if like there's any kicker not named Justin Tucker ready to kick a clutch playoff field goal in the snow, uh, the 49ers have the right guy and he nailed it. And we got so many Packers tears and it was wonderful. I uh, what this game is funny because this game was. Uh, in some ways, like the, uh, <laughs> it was. I, it's not the opposite. It's still a good football game, but you have to appreciate different parts of football games than than what was on display in Chiefs Bills. Uh, this mm-hmm. one had a total of of nine sacks between the teams. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, again, as we predicted, only threw the ball nineteen times, only completed eleven of them. Uh, like this was just not uh not a particularly pleasing football game what did kyle shanahan do to to eke this one out how did how did he pull this one out um i i think the key for them was they just kind of went they leaned fully into debo being just their the best player they have with the ball in his hands right uh because you know i I don't think that jimmy garoppolo particularly played pretty well uh Honestly, he kind of did nothing, like, basically the whole game. Uh, but you, you get those clutch special teams plays. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo had a QBR of 11.9 in that game. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, you know, he had a QBR of 19.4, so it's not like he played much better. But I, I think for them, uh, you know, I, it, it, to, it, to me, it, it made me think about just, like, a, a larger, um, uh, I guess, sentiment that we see in kind of, like, football analysis and football talking points where you know some I, I feel like some people get so far ahead with you know wanting to know you know all the ins and the outs of the x and o's in every scheme when you know if like that that's really really difficult to do first of all and two it kind of takes away from the brilliance of like the actual players with the ball in their hand going through stuff on the field and i kind of i, I kind of think that that's something like the best coaches have tapped into where you know, you, you hear the 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 saying it's not about X and O's, it's about Jims and Joes or whatever. Uh, and you know, at one point Kyle Shanahan was like, Debo Samuel is our best player. 
Uh, we can't throw the ball, so we're not even going to mess around with trying to throw it to Debo. We're just going to put him right in the backfield uh, and hand the ball off to him. Now, it, it wasn't anything crazy, 10 carries for 39 yards, but uh, you did have like that final third down run before the field goal where you see what that philosophy can do with you. We're just like scheming stuff open for your best players instead of like trying to run uh, right. certain plays. I, 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 I know Troy Aikman touched on this after – uh, the Cowboys game where he was basically like, I don't care if Michael Irvin is double right. covered. That's Michael yeah. Irvin. I'm going to throw him the ball 20 times and he's going to beat someone because he's better than the person guarding him. And I think that's that's something that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan in general has kind of tapped into over the past few years. So we're going to put Debo in the backfield. And what's impressive about that run is like he's he runs it like a real running back. Like he's letting his blockers line up. He's making guys miss. He's waiting for uh Holes to open up and then like the strength and the explosion to finish through a tackle and get the first down. Uh, I know he got hurt on that play, but it's just kind of like that's where the difference to me with, you know, some of these better coaches are is they'll just decide at some point we're not worried about running all these plays. We need to get the ball into the best hands of our best players. And that, you know, we even saw that on Sunday uh, at the end of the Rams Bucks game where, right. you know, we need to get the ball into Cooper Cup's hands and he delivers for you. We need to get the ball into Debo Samuel's hands. And he delivers for you. So, uh, you know, or, or even the Bengals game, we need to get the ball into Jamar Chase's hands and he, he delivers for you, you know, when you need clutch moments in that game. So uh, get the ball into your best playmaker's hands. And I think that that was kind of the difference towards the end uh, for the 49ers, aside from, you know, the, the special teams, lucky touchdowns. Right. Yeah. I mean, Bill Belichick, who is wow. lauded for being able to move guys around and do things with scheme and, and scheme for each game, you know, do a, a unique scheme for each game. Like he of all coaches always says like you have to put it on your best players to win games. Like that's the only, that's what you have to do in the end. And you're right. Like going with Debo, but, but also like George Kittle's really good. And they, they did throw to him for some key, but he's also a really great blocker. Would you like, like George Kittle, the advantage he probably gives you as a blocking tight end is, is on par, if not better than, than what it does as a receiving tight end. And then Kyle Juszczyk is like a really useful piece who also opens up holes. So like that is what the 49ers are best. Like they, it's not only that Debo is their best player with the ball, but they have other parts that, that go with that and uh, worked in tandem and, and got this game through. Uh, where, where do you see Aaron Rodgers next year? Um. I don't know. CPAC convention. It's, it's CPAC convention. Hanging out. Mitch McConnell's house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just an independent thinker. Yeah, that's right. Maybe he'll be somewhere out here in North Carolina with uh, Madison Cawthorn or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think Rogers has a busy summer ahead of him. But in terms of where he's going to be playing football, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of think that staying in Green Bay makes yeah. the most sense if right. they can figure out how to financially put together a good team around him because, you know, they're, I think, about $50 million over the cap going into next year. Um, they don't have Devontae Adams signed to a long-term deal, so they're going to have to deal with, uh, like, a franchise tax situation there, which is just going to make it uh, a little bit more expensive for them moving forward. So I tend to think Green Bay is the best uh, spot for him, but, you know, if he's still interested in playing and doesn't want to, potentially get stuck in like a mini rebuild with a team that's worse than this past year's. And uh, I'd be trying to get out, maybe go to Denver because uh, they still need a quarterback. But at the same time, we just saw what Patrick Mahomes did <laughs> in that game on Sunday. And we know what Justin Herbert can do. So do you really want to go 
into a division where you have to face Herbert and Mahomes four times a year. Um, I think just like for the immediate future or the immediate like success coming up for him, I think that probably staying in Green Bay uh, makes the most sense because, you know, the Vikings are going through transition. The Lions are still really far behind from you. Uh, and the the Bears are as well, even though, you know, we're bullish on Justin Fields. This is still Green Bay's division if they can get Aaron Rodgers back. Right. Yeah. Green Bay is in a terrible spot with the cap, but uh, there are ways out of that. Yeah, know, there are ways out of that. They can figure some stuff out. Like I, right. I think the, the easiest way that we're starting to te- see teams do is like if you have a player, uh, and I think I saw this rumor for Kenny Clark, like let's say a player like Kenny Clark where – you have no plans on getting rid of him. Do you just restructure his contract and right. you know, give him some more money up front, raise some cash for yourself? And at the end of the day, if Kenny Clark lives up to what you think is going to be, that those restructures end up really being coming, becoming totally inconsequential. So right. uh, I'm sure we'll see some guys get restructured. I'm sure we'll see some maybe some surprise releases as they get into the cap space. But you know, for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, like or really not Aaron Rodgers, but for the Packers, the two biggest things are getting Aaron and Devontae back onto the team for next year. Yeah. Uh, Bengals, 19. Titans, 16. Titans ended up being pretty much who we thought they were. Turned the ball over uh, a bunch of times. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. Uh, got to the Bengals. <laughs> this brought me back. I was, I was uh, at a friend's house having dinner during this game and kind of like watching it out of the corner of my eye. And I was – I predicted. I knew. I was like, I bet on Twitter people are making jokes about – uh, about the the draft and whether they should have picked Jamar Chase because you can't get the ball to him if you're getting sacked every time. And yeah. uh, Joe Burrow was getting sacked a lot. Not, he got sacked <laughs> nine times. <laughs> yeah, uh, and still, still found a way to get Jamar Chase the ball five times for 109 yards. T. Higgins also almost had 100 yards. Yeah. Uh, so it, it ended up working out. It was not, it was not uh, brilliant football by any means, but – Joe Burrow's got some moxie, man. He's he's, he's good. Yeah. He's really good. Um, yeah, and and I don't. I, and the thing is, I don't even think like he played his best game. Really. Right. Um, I, I think yeah. I, it's it's hard. I think if you get sacked nine times, it's right. It's <laughs> right. And I, I was about to say, like, if you you're getting sacked that much, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons basically just lived in the backfield. Right. Yeah. Uh, the entire game, he had three sacks, three TFLs, and then three more quarterback hits. Uh, as a whole, the Titans had. 13 quarterback hits, uh, nine sacks, and eight tackles for loss on run plays. So uh, the Bengals' offensive line did not block a soul. Uh, and to me, the fact that they were able to win this game, one, speaks to the talent of uh, the skill players they've had assembled because on one of those plays, I think Jamar's longest play was a screen, and he made someone miss. Uh, and then both down the field like he has done <laughs> basically all season. Uh I think the fact they were able to win this game by while getting no help from their offensive line uh, bodes well for them in the future. But I, I think it makes them it, it makes it it makes it a little tough for me to see how they can beat Kansas City, especially even last time to beat Kansas City. Uh, you know that was a great game for Burrow and Jamar Chase, but even Joe Burrow was like, "Yeah, we got a little bit of help at the, from the end, the, a little bit of help from the refs at the end that that pushed us over the finish line." But I, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see to me if the Bengals' offensive line is as bad as it was on on sun on saturday and it's, it's funny it just reminds me yesterday uh i was playing playstation and i i there, there was a point during the pandemic where i was bored so i just added like a bunch of you know twitter followers on playstation and i had 
a Twitter DM or a, a PlayStation DM from some Bengals fans I friended just saying, <laughs> uh, Genie is ass. And that's the, uh, <laughs> the right guard for the Bengals who right. got absolutely worked by Jeffrey Simmons, basically almost every play for the entire game. But hey, they got back. And uh, I think if you're a Titans fan, you got to be pretty damn frustrated that um, your defense put up a performance like that against an offense that we know is very good and you couldn't do anything to squeak by as the number one seed at home. Uh, Derrick Henry, I mean, he didn't look like his normal self. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask. I mean, it looked just not like it wasn't there, right? Like he didn't have yeah. a burst. He didn't, just wasn't it, comfortable. It was weird. Like the way that I kind of interpreted it was he's got, you know, these screws in his bones in his foot and it looked like he was going like super duper hard and hitting the hole like right as soon as the handoff was coming because he didn't have like the long speed because usually uh he's a little bit more patient than he was on sunday but he's just trying to get up the field as fast as he can because he knows he doesn't have like that long speed uh to break away from guys so you know that was a pretty discouraging performance you're a titans fan uh, i don't really know what you do at quarterback moving forward but i guess the good thing is you know you've shown a couple years in a row now maybe even three years in a row that uh you can get to you know, high points in the playoffs without uh, a particularly strong roster, which bodes well for you, at least in a, from a coaching perspective. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to look at – we will preview these games probably Thursday. We'll take a, a closer look at, at the championship games. Um, as you said earlier, it's hard to fathom this week. Like, it, it feels like a little bit of a letdown, right? Like, thinking ahead to these – like. I think we'll get hyped up as the week goes on, but it's it's hard to imagine that those games will live up to it. Um, but we will see. We'll we'll take some take some time over the next day and a half or so to uh, you know take a deeper look at the numbers and some of the film, and we'll come back Thursday with some thoughts on where you know where, where the weaknesses are and where the flaws are and where mismatches are and all that. So. Yep. We did that on Thursday. Let's talk coaching carousel. This Saints news is uh, – I let's step back from it. Like what I, – I keep thinking about the fact that Sean Payton kept playing Taysom Hill. And we kept being like, wait, what, what, what is this guy doing? Like why, why is he not developing – you know, like we just knew who Taysom Hill was. Taysom Hill's – an established veteran that, and we knew, we know who James is too, but like, it just, we never could understand it. We were so confused by the fact that he was trying this gambit with this player that just did not appear to have all that much upside. Uh, and now it's sort of hard to not go back and think like, was, what was going into, what was Sean Payton's thinking for the last year or so uh and and you know i'm sure we'll get some press conferences and him talking about this decision but uh it's really sort of a weird end for one of the better coaches of, of the generation you know you're talking about peyton carroll tomlin harbaugh belichick obviously reed like these are the the elite coaches of of our era uh and he's just sort of stepping away now what do you make of it um I don't know because I, I really I really have I know the, the rumors were coming up that he was thinking about stepping away but honestly like this has not been the first time that he's toyed with the idea of uh, stepping away from coaching uh, he's done it several times before uh, you know they, they usually tend to coincide when 
the Dallas Cowboys might be making a move on their head coaching situation because we all know that Sean, uh, right. I, I think that's one of the worst kept secrets that he would love to be the head coach of uh, the Dallas Cowboys someday. So, you know, I just kind of took it as, all right, he's just trying to leverage a play to get out of here with, while Mike McCarthy might be on the hot seat. Um, and, uh, and I mean, he's used, you know, I think somebody put together uh Rappaport tweets, like, yeah, Rappaport yeah. just kept carrying water for uh Peyton's agent, most likely trying, like, yeah. oh, he's uh, thinking of leaving, he's contemplating our, this job. Uh, like, our buddy Seth Green, uh, he gave me he sent me that link probably like three times. When I was making fun of him about Peyton potentially leaving, so uh, now <laughs> we're here. Uh, and I don't know, I, I feel like the Saints, like. You were now. You're at the point like, all right, we really gotta blow this up, and we can't keep playing around because uh, that Taysom Hill contract looks super silly, and I'm sure that Sean had a whole lot of work to do with that. Um, and now it, it looks like you're pretty far away on offense, and you don't have, you know, basically the guy that's been running uh, one of the best offenses in the NFL for almost two decades now. Uh, so. Hey, it's a tough, tough look for the Saints, Saints fans. Uh, I don't expect him to stay retired forever, uh, just because I don't, I don't think he's wired that way. But he's only I know fifty-eight that, years old too. I mean, right, and he's a nut job. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that Sean is probably also very satisfied that his last game as a Saints coach was beating the Falcons. Do you think? Uh, do you think he was just waiting for a Kevin James movie to be made about him, and then he's like, right, <laughs> my, "My work here is done." Yeah, I love the. Uh, the the Kevin James stuff is funny because in the 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 promos for the movie, uh, they don't say why Sean is coaching this <laughs> you know, high school or little league football team. Hey Sean, why? How did you end up there? How did you end up from the coach of the New Orleans Saints to coaching this ragtag group of kids uh, in this heartwarming Netflix story? Let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> only if only we could remember. Well, if only we could do like a Google search or something like that. I don't know. <sighs> you know, and there's not – I'm looking around now at the other coaching news. This one hit us right before the show, so we're, like, still – we're just processing it on air. But there's really not been a whole lot else going on um, that is all that interesting. There's a couple teams that it does look like the uh, Vikings and Bears are moving forward with their GM hires uh, maybe in the coming days. Not sure how reliable these reports are, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure the 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 Vikings are going with the guy from the the Browns. I know his first name is Quessy, but I don't remember his last name. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the Bears are going Ryan Pole, and it looks like just from what I've gathered, Dan Quinn might be going along with him uh, over to Chicago. So we'll see what happens. But I think they're between Dan Quinn and Jim Caldwell for the Bears job. Very much. Uh, you can you can see from the Bears search. I, I think it's interesting the the head coaching searches. You can see based on like the candidates that they're interviewing, like what they're going for. And I think a lot of this is like personality driven. Where you you can see like the Bears, uh, the Broncos, the Giants. Like when they're you know doing multiple interviews with Dan Quinn. To me, that's like a sign. Oh, we need to get an adult up in here. Uh, you know, someone who. Well, it's not going to burn bridges with everyone that walks through uh, this building. And, you know, I, I think that that is kind of an underrated part of being a head coach, you know, literally just being like the CEO slash leader yeah, uh, of this organization. You know, I think we could kind of get 
I'm not too caught up because it's obviously like super important, but like, you know, play calling and, you know, what's going on in the field. But I, you know, as, as far as just like being the top dog in an organization, I, I think Danny is obviously very qualified for the job. Uh, I mean, the, the 2016 year, that wasn't the only good year that they had. They made it back to the playoffs the, the next year. So I just think it's interesting. It kind of gives you a rare peek behind the curtains because the Vikings, Mike Zimmer burned bridges on his way out. Vic Fangio burned bridges on his way out. Uh, people were not happy with how Matt Nagy handled the Justin Fields situations. So now they're just trying to get a calming presence. Someone who can come in here that's had some success in the past and get us looking like a football team again. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I haven't really been surprised to see that Dan has gotten like six interviews so far this cycle. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that is a really strong uh, point about Dan Quinn. You know, the, the fact that I, did, I think you brought it up, maybe I can't remember, but the fact that the Falcons did not just as an organization crumble after the 28 to three thing and like guys still bought in and they played hard the next year. Yeah, they, had, they had like a, you know, two, three more seasons where they were a little bit competitive. Right. right. Like that's like, you're getting a professional football coach. Like you're getting a guy who's a pro who people respect, who knows how to work things in the building. Like you said, like knows how to keep the organization going in the right direction. Uh, right. Get the people on board. So that's, a strong point. I want to close out the show today by pointing out that uh, if Tom Brady actually listens to his wife and rides off into the sunset, goes and you know focuses on fatherhood, you should do it, Tom. It's it's a good time, you know, like get to know your kids, hang out, uh, do whatever they want to do. You got all the money in the world. Like think about it, man. The world's the world's open for you. You can do whatever you want. You you're like just go, just go. Uh, yeah, see whatever. So if he does that. Uh, the the Bucks are still obviously going to have a strong supporting cast. I don't know who ends up playing quarterback for them, uh, but it's not going to be probably as good as Tom Brady. Uh, the yeah. Saints are now a complete mess, right? They are they are going through. They will have to have some sort of rebuild. Um, yeah, there'll be some retooling there. The Falcons are. Boys to maybe be good. I, like I don't know. Not good, but I think the <laughs> the the NFC South is poised to look horrific. Uh, I mean, really, really bad. Um, because if obviously I mean, the, the Pan- I'm not even talking about the Panthers. By the way, they had not even a real football as team they're, as their offensive coordinator. So I'm not even not even bringing yeah. that up. And the Ben McAdoo thing, people were, were laughing at it. But, ah, does it matter who their OC is? Like, does it really <laughs> matter? Because uh, uh, to me, like, with a, a group of talent that bad, it, it really doesn't matter. And you're stuck with Sam Darnold for uh, what it looks like to be another year because who the hell is going to take that contract off? But I, in general, if you're a Falcons fan, you're waiting to see what happens with Tom Brady. Because if Tom Brady retires, I won't say that, you know, this Falcons team is good, but you can be the best of a really, really bad bunch next year. Because, uh, I, I mean, Bruce Arians, he basically kind of said, you know, if Tom, you know, and you got to take this with a grain of salt because it's like a, a press conference and what have you. But right. uh, he was saying that, you know, if Tom goes, then we're going to move forward with Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert, which is music to my ears. Right. Like, I, I don't I really don't care, like, if the Falcons are going to be good next year because I don't expect them to be. But. I would like to watch them in a playoff game again before I turn, before I turn thirty. I don't think that's asking too much. <laughs> I'll be twenty eight this year. Uh, I I don't know. I'm feeling I'm feeling some hope for you. I'm, I'm feeling 
I got good yeah. vibes. Got good Let's vibes, go man. eight and nine and win the division. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Find us on Twitter. He's at Fourverts. I'm at Chris Corman. Like I said, we'll be back later this week with another show. We're going to record some videos, uh, yep. blogs and blogs over on the internet for the win, ftw.usada.com. Find us wherever, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. 